0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today.
1: Holly, I'll say this, that I am, when it comes to conversations, maybe it's because I don't know a lot about uh, film and movies, and I like watching them, and I eat a lot of popcorn. It's great that we're able to dive into and have uh, incredible conversations with people who know a lot more than we do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. See, that's the joy of this job is that we don't have to know anything, we just have to know the right people, and I think Dan's the right people.
1: I would say, I guess we'll see, but I mean, he is a professional. Why don't we welcome uh Dan Kuman, my friend? How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. We like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Dan, who are you and where did you come from?
2: That's a tough one to start with, but my name is Daniel Kuh, and I actually grew up in Red Deer, Alberta, then moved out to Vancouver Island. My wife grew up on Hornby, which is a small island in the Gulf Islands over here. And we moved about 10 years ago to Vancouver Island, which is... Sorry to say, the nicest place on earth.
1: I feel like an idiot because you're like, oh, where are you guys? I'm like, well, I'm here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And you're like, yeah, dude, I I know where that is. I was an hour and a half away from you. <laughs>
2: and I'm an Oilers fan, so yeah. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Yes. I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: man. So, what was life like growing up in the blooming metropolis of Red Deer until you then realized that there was, I mean, no disrespect to Red Deer, but things greater outside of that uh, city? Yeah, its um, I
2: was there for 25 years. I, I think what I love most about Alberta is the people. Like, there's really solid community. I had some really, really strong friendships, lots of family there. So, it was a great place to grow up. And um, actually, it was while I was in high school, we convinced with great difficulty our um, administration at the school to allow us to leave the country and go to a volleyball tournament in Brazil. And that was the first time I think I was ever on a plane. I was like mm. 16 years old. And um, that was it's such a crazy experience, like to see a different part of the world, have your eyes open to a whole bunch more than just the volleyball side of it, <laughs> just to what the world is like. And um, the diversity out there. And that kind of put the bug in me to travel. And that was sort of the beginning of what's become a bit of an epic adventure.
0: No kidding. Well, how did you go from volleyball to film?
2: Both are closely connected. Um, now, I think um <laughs> volleyball was kind of the passion as a student. That was what got me through school. I don't think I could have made it through high school if I didn't have that, to be honest. Oh. Um, it was kind of what made it worth getting up to, to head in and go to the gym kind of thing. Um, and and that team camaraderie. I think the thing about sports that's really cool, you learn a lot of leadership and you make a lot of great friendships. Yeah, an interesting transition because it was in high school that I was challenged by... Uh, actually, he was my favorite social studies teacher. He said, if there's one career you should never, ever do, it's to become a film director. It's interesting because it wasn't that I was rebellious. I really loved this teacher, but it got my wheels turning. It basically made me think like, well, why would that be so hard? And I think everyone in every one of us, in a way, we kind of want the ultimate challenge. Like we want the Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like becoming a film director sort of got seated in me in about grade 12. And then it was at the time in life where everybody's asking you, what do you want to do with your life? And it's like, it, you could pull your own hair out because it's so crazy, right? That people mm-hmm. keep saying that. Yeah. So I was, I was kind of lamenting to God and being like, why is everyone asking me this 24-7? And he turned around and asked me the same question. He's like, what do you want to do with your life? It was intriguing because he asked it totally in a different spirit with no strings attached. And it was like, if you could do anything, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And that was at the moment that the light bulb came on. And I was like, I want to make films and I want to see the world.
1: How does somebody jump into that, though? Because, I mean, nowadays, it seems like anybody with an iPhone can go and see the world and make film. But you do it professionally. You do it in a different sort of way. Is it then, do we go to school for that? Or do you have to then travel to Toronto or Vancouver? What was the next step? There's
2: kind of two ways you could go about it. We chose the non-education school route. (laughs) You can basically go through school, get degrees, get kind of connected into the industry, work your way up the ladder, as they call it. Or our route was let's invest in our own company, buy all the film gear and just run around the world making shows. And I think the you know uphill battle because you don't have the connections to start with and you're also learning in the field but that was kind of what we considered our film school was like let's go out there and like just trial by fire and um that's exactly what we did we went to kenya india thailand and malaysia and we had all of our film gear and it was scary because I mean it was in a time where like a film camera weighed like a 100 pounds and you had a box this big that you're hauling around like the Sahara kind of a thing mm-hmm. and um it was intense and it was really really growing experience and it kind of bonded us with our well the brothers that started the studio and three other friends and we just got out there and uh, we learned out in the field so that's the way that we did it um, not always easy <laughs> but it's been a blast
0: The School of Hard Knocks what were some of your uh Biggest lessons learned on that first trip:
2: Don't commit your life as a slave to someone to get money to do a project. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> uh, we uh, we committed three months of hard labor to someone in adv- adv- as an advance to get money to buy plane tickets for that trip. So in a, in essence, when we got back, it was almost like we were just working for free. <laughs> oh. And um but but it was also like. That being said, in all seriousness was probably one of the better decisions we made because it put us in a position where we were able to go pursue our dream. And we had this generous business owner that advanced us the money to buy those tickets, which those were the, the good old days when a plane ticket around the world was like five, $6,000 a person or whatever. And, um, yeah, so it was pretty crazy. And, and that kind of got us, it got us to realize that. I think ultimately, like we were called and our destiny was to tell stories that had a real world impact. And that weren't just about like pursuing a quote unquote Hollywood dream, but kind of having stories that were meaningful and that would matter and make an impact on the world. And that's kind of what we got roped into.
1: (laughs) You keep saying words like we and us. So there you had said friends and brothers. Obviously, there are more people involved than just you.
2: Yeah, so our Unveil Studios is made up of myself and my two brothers. Well, we, I have three brothers, but two are part of the studio, um, Matthew and Andrew. So the three uh, Kuman brothers make up the studio now. And um, it's really fun to, to work with brothers that you can work well with and kind of create things and um, tell stories together.
1: As brothers, did you guys have the same dream then going into this? And you all figured that this is where you wanted... Uh, the studio to go, this is what you wanted your films to be like? Yeah, it's kind
2: of interesting. Actually, like, there was sort of a, a bit of a mutual thing that happened was like, they were already traveling the world because they were older and that kind of put the travel bug inside of me. And then I started mm-hmm. pursuing the film stuff and that put the film bug in them. And so um, my brother Andrew was in Malaysia or like Mongolia or something like that at the time. And then my other brother, Matt was in Australia and I was like, hey, guys, we should make films. And then I was still in high school um, at the time, and that kind of just started to, to brew and fester. And it was about a year later that we did that first big documentary trip around the world and then uh, kind of realized that this is something we really want to do.
0: It's interesting because when I think of Red Deer, I don't necessarily think of the arts. I know they've, they've got actually a pretty decent art community. What was one of those seeds that were planted in your heads so young to go into that realm?
2: I kind of want to, um, we realized this recently, I want to give a shout out to my mom and dad because they, when I was in about grade seven, they did, it was totally random and outside the box. And again, like you said, now everybody has an iPhone, but back then it was like shoulder cameras that barely did standard definition video. Mm-hmm. And um, you, they did a project when I was very young um, that was called The Greatest is Love. And it was based on First Corinthians chapter 13. And it was like a 35 minute documentary, essentially. And it's a really beautiful film. And basically one day my dad just like felt like we have to make a film about this. Like there was absolutely no film background in my family. And so he hired a local um, filmmaker named Harley Hay and they went and they made this movie. And that, I remember being on that little film set and it was being filmed at a church actually. And just like a little bit of a setup there. And I remember thinking like, you know, the, the imagination started to turn about creativity and that sort of maybe died away for the next 10 years, but there's always that it's, it's planted, right. Seeds take time to germinate, but they're planted. And so I think that that was one of the early things. And then, like you said, um, it wouldn't necessarily shine as an artistic community, but there's a lot of very creative and outstanding people in in Alberta and Red Deer. And, um, and I think, yeah, I think to a degree, because we've been asked this a lot, like, why would three brothers like get into this and, when you have like a really loving and safe home that you grow up in, the biggest benefit is that you're afforded the opportunity to dream and mm. we take dreaming for granted. But if you're able to dream, it means that there's a certain amount of safety and security around you. And it takes away some of the fear of what it would be to take a risk, you know? And so in a way, like I kind of believed anything was possible coming out of, out of school. Like, and I think you kind of needed that. You needed almost faith combined with a little bit of, wouldn't say immaturity, but there's a word I can't think of, um, not stupidity either. <laughs> but That's you need a certain ignorance. amount. I know what
0: you're saying. <laughs> Naivety.
2: Naivety. There we go. That's
1: better than stupidity. You guys are good.
0: <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> well, let's talk about faith because you mentioned about feeling called and, you know, filming first in a, a church. How much of a role did faith play in your life growing up?
2: Pretty much the complete and total centerpiece of it all, if I think about it, because, like, I mean, we grew up, my um, grandpa was a Presbyterian minister. That was sort of, in a good way, what kind of, like, kept us going to church all the time. And then um, my parents kind of, I think when I was, like, a teenager, had, like, a bit of a faith awakening as well and just, like, kind of started to actually hear from and respond to the Holy Spirit. And um, that was kind of right at the critical time in my life like kind of like again high school-ish which is right around the time these dreams and ideas started to come and i think that that's the ultimate thing about the holy spirit and a lot of people it's a big concept and it can confuse a lot of people but ultimately it's the breath of god and the breath of god is what we need in our life so that we can make the decisions that god wants us to make so we can follow his leading and um there's a that famous passage right like the wind blows wherever it pleases and I've really felt that in my life, like if the spirit of God is in that wind, he's taken me literally around the world and to places that I would have never imagined I would go. And that should be our desire as human beings is like, I want to be blown to the place that I'm supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, that's ultimately been a bit of our story. And hopefully um, we continue to, to go to places that we never quite imagined as God just like takes us there. Right.
1: So is the goal then uh as somebody who directs somebody who does film to do faith films, is it to uh bring uh films of truth? What personally is your goal when you step in behind a camera and you're about to shoot whatever that may be?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. Cause um, in a way, I think we can't say fought it away, but like there, there's sort of this desire to like be like cutting edge, whatever that means. And to try to like, go into a place where you're like bringing people from the world into your stories. And to a large degree, like we never did a faith based story until just this year, <laughs> but um, not like directly on the nose faith, if that makes sense. But the idea was like stories that make a real world impact. And I think when people then dig and investigate and find out, and you're on a stage and you're explaining what you did and you're talking about projects in Africa and India and, and um, rescuing girls from human trafficking and all these different things that come up, ultimately you ask why. And, um, that leads to a faith story and that leads to talking about God and his work in your life. And, um, so that's kind of been our journey to date. And then I got sort of sidled by the Holy spirit, whispered a word to me. The word was breath. He whispered that on a preceding a missions trip to Tanzania when I was asking him what the purpose of that mission was going to be. And he's like, the purpose is breath. I was like, that's. Very creative. I don't know what that means. It's <laughs> a um, track. <laughs> but it took me on a journey that has led to this new book and this new series, which is very faith forward. And it's about, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's, it's there's nothing hidden, <laughs> but it's, um, it's also very refreshing to have been building our storytelling and story craft and everything. And then now be in a position where we're telling that type of a story. And it doesn't mean we'll just do faith based films or stories, but um there is a real desire from a real big audience out there for those types of films and we want to do those kind of films with excellence so
0: I'm kind of curious do you feel that the the faith films if you're like this is the direction we want to go puts you in a box creatively creatively there go. gods the word or just by trying to get rid of those kinds of labels gives you the opportunity to really explore um both faith but life and some of those hard questions
2: Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I do feel there's an element of the faith-based scene that is very afraid to take risks and truly be creative. And I would challenge any people of faith out there not to let that put you in a box, because that's something that we've even with distributors and people in that area, you know, we've felt that pressure or like, you know, take this out or do this or um, and it can lose its authenticity pretty quick if you start pulling some of the key elements away. And ultimately creativity, it's not a clean and precise journey, right? It's like it's supposed to become something really, I mean, in documentary film, you basically start with an idea and it morphs into something that's completely, not completely different, but like largely it's a different, um, end product than you envisioned. And that's because it's authentic. Right. And so I think that the arts in general are supposed to take that path where you're like, yeah, I have this like shining idea of my imagination of some beautiful thing. And it's like, you know, like it's like when you're a kid and you're like, I'm going to draw this amazing picture of a scene And like, once you actually try to take it from your mind to paper, it's, there's a bit of disappointment. Usually it's like, it didn't look the way that I fully envisioned it because in your mind's eye, you can see it perfectly. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, then you have to actually collaborate with people and then you have to work out a problem. And then you have to put all those minds together and create an actual tangible thing. And then you got to add color to it. And then, you know, like when you draw a picture and you add the color and it like kind of messes it up again. <laughs> like it's Every it's like drawing it was, I've
0: done. <laughs> like
2: it was really good when it was line art. But now that I colored it, it looks different. Um, so there's a little bit of that element. And that's why I actually love filmmaking, because it brings together all. If you think about all the art forms, like the visual art forms, it brings mm-hmm. them all together you literally have painters, you have carpenters, you have sculptors, you have people that do music, you have people that act, you have people, you know, you bring all those different pieces together. And you have people that write and you have people that direct. So you have like all these different pieces. And if you think about any movie that you like, pretty much if you like it, it's generally it's a masterpiece, you could call it because it came together from so many different creative minds and people at hands. And it became something that was actually accessible, right? So it's it's amazing if you can have that impact uh, through a project.
1: So, is it different when you were to, if you were to do a, a long, uh, a long film to a short film to a doc? Is it all somewhat the same, or is there very a lot of differences when it comes to uh, creating it and making it happen?
2: There's a filmmaker that I wouldn't necessarily recommend any of his movies on this podcast, but I think um, he's really inspired us. as Robert Rodriguez? He basically, he created those films like Once Upon a Time in Mexico and eventually kind of started making more like kids films and things um, or like that Alita movie recently. But his thing is that he did everything. He wrote it, produced it, directed it, edited it. He actually wrote the music in his first original films. Mm. And what's inspiring about it is not that he wasn't willing to collaborate, but he was willing to make it happen. And that's to a degree, like what we want to be like is that flexibility of like, if there's a role that needs to be filled, that we could fill it. So like we're good at operating camera, we can direct, we can produce and get the people together. And like, you don't always want to carry all the torches, but if it allows you to move a project forward, and that's kind of the journey to a degree of how we've gotten things like off the ground is just being willing to wear a lot of hats. And then when a budget finally arrives, <laughs> you get some people together, you know, Um so that's a bit of our story, but.
1: Because I've that kind of answers somewhat of my question. And like, if you look at a Scorsese or a Brockheimer, do you see some of these films and like, mm, I'd really want to incorporate that, or I also don't have the hundred million dollar budget to blow up Transformers.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would love to have a hundred million dollars to blow up Transformers, but it's it's kind of such it's such a niche area. These like big budget producers and directors, like there's literally like you can name them because there's like a fifty of them, right. you know. And, um, everybody wants that and everybody judges everything based off of that, which is, that's the intriguing part too, as a filmmaker that makes a million dollar movie is like you're judged as if it's a $250 million movie, which it's not actually fair, but in a way you just have to accept and embrace that. Cause like the critics, critics will watch it with that eye. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you can't be like, yeah, but it was an independent movie. You know, it's like as much as that's true and as much as it's a di- should be a different brush, it's painted with the same one. So it's interesting because in a way those films make it so that our work is a little bit harder as independent filmmakers, but mm. it's a good challenge to be forced to pursue excellence, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, You're talking about God giving you the word breath. You're talking about you and your, your, since of your family working together and wearing many hats to make it happen and you decide to put the hat on as author and so breath of life came into existence did you ever think that you'd put pen to paper and dive into that creative realm
2: i honestly didn't like i know i i had success with writing throughout like um high school and things like that and but it it kind of was a torch that especially my brother Andrew carried and he's an incredible author and writer. And so he's written some of our screenplays and he's written books and stuff. And um, in a way I didn't imagine carrying that torch. And then mm. what essentially happened was there was so much insight coming through like what God was speaking to me about and through studying scripture that it actually became a burden that I was like, I have to write this. Um, and when I started to share the story of what I was hearing, it's interesting. Cause like I've traveled to like Tanzania, a whole bunch and a few different places have been more like the regular places I visit and, um, in Tanzania. And then when I came back to Canada after a mission trip, I was sharing specifically about this breath idea that God was speaking to me about. And it was one of those rare times, like in a church setting, like if anyone's ever shared a testimony or like preached in front of a group of people, it's like, even if it's like life-changing, maybe one or two people will come and comment. <laughs> it's like, you don't ever yeah. really get like a pat on the back, right? And um, which you don't do it for that, but sometimes it's encouraging to hear feedback. And um, anyways, I shared this thing about breath and honestly, like every single person in the building came and talked to me. Mm-hmm. So it was like, there was something about it that was really, really fresh and really important. And um that really gripped me. And I was like, I have to write this down.
1: And um, it turned into a, a book and a docu-series. Uh, what do you want people to get from it? I mean, it, it's, it, it's interesting for you because you do film and you can kind of visually see reaction from people in some ways, uh, a book could be a lot more intimate. And so you might not necessarily get that. So the reader gets a little more one-on-one time. So what are your hopes from it?
2: Honestly, um, as the title says, breath of life, I truly hope and pray it'll be a breath of life for people. We've had the oxygen sucked out of us pretty hard over the last number of years there's um, literally been, like, pressure on our, like, breathing. There's been anxiety in the atmosphere. There's been um, literally things covering our mouths, right? And I want people to get a breath of life and to uh, breathe in the Spirit of God. And just if I could touch on kind of the concept of the book is essentially, so God whispered this word breath to me. The first thing I thought of was the Genesis story, because it says in Genesis 2-7 that the Lord God breathed into the nostrils or the face of Adam. And uh, when he breathed on him, he came alive. And so I started as a filmmaker, someone who imagines, I started to enter into that garden experience just in my mind. And I literally saw that it was love that has hadn't been seen since like in the creation of the world, this love had not yet been seen where the creator of the universe would enter into a garden, form and mold humanity with his own hands. Think about the first number of days of creation. He spoke everything into existence. So I was imagining him far off. The spirit of God was hovering over the water. He's distant. But it says that when he entered the garden, he came in form. He came in a form of Yahweh. And so he actually changed his form. And I studied the Hebrew. It started as Ruach Elohim means the spirit of God. And that word Ruach actually means breath. So he was the spirit, the breath of God at a distance. And then he entered into the garden as Yahweh. And it's absolutely fascinating. And what I, the revelation I got about that was the name of Yahweh was absolutely pinnacle in importance because he enters into shapes and he's he's actually depicted as a sculptor and it's such a beautiful picture he's sculpting humanity he's making a masterpiece and it says in ephesians that we are his masterpiece so he's sculpting a masterpiece in the garden and even though it's the hands of god that masterpiece is not yet alive and isn't that like so true of everything we make it's like is there any life in it and then he holds and it says he cradles adam in his hands and it's like the most intimate moment because it's like the kiss of god against the face of humanity And then he actually breathes the sound of his name onto Adam by saying, Yahweh. So he his breath is his name. The name of God is on our breath. The inhaled and exhaled breath is the sound of Yahweh. And when that name, which has power, touches the face of Adam, he actually comes alive. So it's actually the very breath of God that made humanity alive. And then it says in the book of Job that if God... It actually says if Yahweh was to withhold his breath, that all of humanity and the universe would cease to exist instantly. (laughs) And so the vapor of God, his breath is upholding the universe and it's upholding us right now. And then so I just began to like kind of picture that and study that. And every breath ever is a quiet utterance of the name of our creator. With every breath, we continue to actually tell creation that God made everything, that God is creator, that he upholds everything And then it started to really impact me when I thought of his holiness and thinking like if the holiness of God, because it says like the actual, the third commandment is don't take the name of the Lord God, which is in Hebrew Yahweh. Don't take the name of Yahweh in vain, but we say the name Yahweh every time we breathe. So are you taking his name in vain or are you blessing his name? It says in the book of James that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Are you speaking? Are you breathing life or are you speaking and breathing death? Because it also says, sorry that I'm rambling, but it says in um, the book of Acts, when it talks about Paul the Apostle, before his conversion experience, he was breathing murderous threats. It says that he was actually breathing. So as he was saying that name Yahweh, he was cursing and blaspheming the name of his creator. But how much hope does that give us? Because he then encountered Jesus. He encountered Yahweh. You know, And ultimately, that's why I want to live my life so that my breath, is like pure so that i actually have the breath of god and thankfully he gave us to that when he gave the holy spirit and the holy spirit literally can be translated as the holy breath of god so the breath of god is in us if we believe in jesus and that's a little bit of a nutshell about what the the book and the film are about but um that that's what i want readers and um, watchers to get is a breath of life because we really really need that <laughs>
0: Going to church today. I love this. It's such an, an, an I mean, leave it to creative to be able to pull that out of Genesis. Because often when you go through your Bible readings, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, God breathed. That's neat. <laughs> right. So to really create that visual is is very powerful. As people watch the docuseries and, and go through the book and um, I pray inspired and are able to breathe a fresh breath Um what what are some of your your hopes moving forward with this as you create this and offer it to to the world?
2: Well, I um, at this point hope that we get all the resources together to finish the second and third part of the show <laughs> because we're we're one part in, um, and then yeah, we've we've had some incredible endorsements and connections through the project and through the book. Um, the series itself features, um, if anyone's familiar with the chosen series, it features Dallas Jenkins, creator and director of the chosen it features Rabbi Schneider, who's um, the host of some successful shows that many people may have seen. Um, it features some guys from a group called reasons to believe, uh, astronomer, Dr. Hugh Ross. And, um, it's also narrated by Trevor McNeven of thousand foot crutch and, um, Kim Walker Smith of Jesus culture music. And so there's some really amazing people behind it. And, um, there's just been some really cool connections that have come through it. And so I just hope that that continues and that sort of ripples out so that a lot of people get to see and hear, hear the message.
1: Most people, when they write a book, they're like, OK, we're going to do a book. Maybe we'll do a Bible study. But it kind of just makes uh, you just put that extra like, oh, by the way, we're also going to do a TV series. And uh, I mean, I can only imagine what's uh, what's next for you guys in in that sense. Mm-hmm
2: yeah thank you yeah it's been it's been fun because i mean that that was ultimately my takeaway of like if god breathes or god speaks it ripples into something big you know and that's why like you want to be quietly alone with god in your free time because you want to hear what his whisper is right if the word breath could turn into a full book and a series and whatever else is going to spin off of it that's just a picture of the creativity of god because it starts Mm. like that seed right And it's like that seed that becomes a giant tree, and touches the roots, touch down into the water, and the leaves host the birds, and like that whole picture is really powerful of creation, right? So, Mm -hmm. just uh, to encourage listeners that you know it's okay if you just get one whisper, or if you just get one little idea, because it can grow into something.
0: As you've put so much time, effort, resources into this project. Um, I can imagine being pretty cathartic as well uh, as you take time to listen to God to develop this. What has been your biggest takeaway creating something that God has given you?
2: I think it's um, a big takeaway is that you have to constantly remind yourself of the good things of God, like because you could literally be like on that mountaintop like uh, the disciples were when they saw the Transfiguration, right and it's it's a moment of heaven. And then the next second you're in like the demon-possessed valley, and it's like there's the writhing and the screaming and all of the other stuff that comes in this world. And you have to remember those mountaintops as a way to like bring that into your everyday because ultimately like every single day of this project and even of like editing the book and getting it out. And like, you know, it's, it's years. It's like, if you want to do a creative film project, you're dedicating two years of your life minimum, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to be willing to, to climb that mountain. And, um, ultimately there are like those transfiguration moments, but they're fleeting, you know? So you have to remember those moments and, and continue to like lean in for what God is saying and doing, because otherwise, I mean, I would have spun out like 42 times already. Right. So um, it's just important to be tapping in and spending quiet time with God and having a community around you because you've got to keep a level head.
1: Appreciate the segue of the hills and valleys of life where we look to God and we ask him that question. Why me, God, why am I put into this situation? Why are you utilizing me like this? Can you think of a why me moment for you?
2: Hmm. Definitely a bunch of them. Um, I mean, in a way, cause a lot of the stuff in this book, like I'd never heard before. It was, it seemed like fresh ideas from God. And, um, I definitely asked that question, like, why me? Why did you share this with me? And the response that I feel I have, and at least in my spirit is like, it's because you asked. <laughs> <laughs> and so why me? Well, I guess it's because I asked. And it says that you literally don't have because you don't ask. And a lot of people get embittered and, and I could easily be one of those people. Because we feel like things are happening to other people, but you don't actually see the whole story. What happened in their dark place? You know, like I sometimes talk about like the dark night of the soul where you're just in that quiet alone time and you're like, wow, the world is closing in. But if from that place, it's kind of an intimate place. And if you'll be willing to ask God for the thing that is actually on your heart, if you actually will ask for those deep desires, uh, he in time or immediately will provide them. And that's essentially, I think, the answer I got to the Wyoming question was, you asked me, like, you ready for the roller coaster? <laughs> Here
1: we go.
0: <laughs> Get ready for more downs and ups.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Abd D. Kuman on Insta, breathoflifemedia.com. Uh, Daniel, my friend, appreciate you taking some time and uh, sharing your heart with us today. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I said it before. I like to know how the pizza's made.
0: You do. You're very much like, I like Ikea. I like to put things together. How did this happen?
1: No, I don't necessarily like the Ikea side of things. I mean, okay. Ikea is fine. I don't want to put it together. But when it comes to <laughs> documentaries and film or music, or I like to know how the pizza is made.
0: Right. And today we got to find out more about how the pizza is made.
1: And the thing is, is that not everybody, everybody likes their pizza differently. It's true. I don't know how we got on this piece. By the way, I am now hungry. Yeah. But uh, thank you to Daniel for taking some time and sharing his heart because it it's a world that is uh, very interesting because it's a world that you and I just aren't familiar with.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, radio is one thing, but diving into that world of film, um, being an author, and being able to express about God's breath, the breath mm. of life in such a uh creative artistic away it just it brought it to life really it was uh, incredible i'm looking forward to checking out that book and seeing the docuseries
1: i do appreciate how you can read a verse or you could read parts of the bible and it just yeah uh uh-huh i've heard it before yeah uh uh-huh i heard it before but now when you hear it you're like oh i've never thought of it like that
0: yeah like yahweh being an inhale exhale what incredible
1: Yeah. So thank you to uh, Daniel for doing that Can't wait for the book, can't wait for the TV series Uh, You can rate and review Give us five stars, six stars If possible, you can download On places like Apple Podcasts On Spotify, there's so much more, isn't there Holly?
0: Absolutely, tell your friends as well Maybe they'll be inspired and encouraged That is our hope and our prayer And of course you can always check us out At (laughs) Faithstrongtoday.com